On Super Bowl weekend, there's always some preacher getting up and he's preaching a game day message, you know? <laughs> every, every year, you know? Game day, better, not a fan, you know what I mean? Like, better than a fan, you know? If you can jeer at the football, and I'm like, oh, we might mention that occasionally, but you know what? I'm like, there ain't no way there's gonna be cheering like this at your house tonight. This is a church that loves the Lord more than football. This is a church that already loves and is more passionate about their savior than they are about their favorite football team, amen? And got your priorities in order, and so I love it. So I just love that, that, that I don't need to come today and preach and use tonight as an example to be like, why can't you be like that at church? And you're all like, if we got any more passionate, you wouldn't have a roof. You wouldn't even be able to sell this place. You know what I mean? Like, come on. But um, anyway, what is the game? What are the teams? Are? We got Brock Purdy versus Taylor Swift tonight. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus versus the WEF. The Christians versus Pfizer. It's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm rooting for Taylor Swift. I'm not really, actually, I'm going for Purdy, so. <laughs> but come on now. But uh, well, that was a terrible way to unify the church, wasn't it? Just there, I just completely, half the people are like, oh, I guess we better put up with this idiot for 50 minutes and then we can leave, you know? And the other half were like, best preacher in Des Moines right there. <laughs> Right there, that guy. I knew I came to the right church today. So. Awesome. So, hey, welcome to everybody online and everybody in our other campuses. Glad you're here. Uh, I'm going to jump right in today, but I do just want to say to new people um, after the church, just find one of these yellow people. They're going to hook you up. They've got the shirts. Um, you know what? I can't see someone else, so it's going to have to be you again. And I know it's super difficult for you. And it was, but but like, ready, set, go. There we go. <laughs> So, she's little, high vibe, you're amazing. But, um, so there's people out there wearing shirts exactly like this, and it says, I got you because they got you. So anything you need help with, they wanna help you out with. If you're new, they wanna help you get a free gift, they wanna help you get a Bible, help you get a coffee. Did you know that on your first week, not your 10th week, and not your first week back after vacation, but on your first week at church, you can actually grab one of these yellow shirt people say, oh man, uh, can you help me get a seat and a latte? They will get you a seat and go to the front of the line and get you a latte. That's right. They will push in. Do you say push in in America? Cut in. Cut in? Cut in line. Cut in line. In Australia, it's push in line. They will jump in front to get you a latte. Come on now. So uh, no teas, no chais, but they will get you a latte. So God bless you. <clears throat> But, uh, no, and, and, all the, and all the regulars are okay with it too because we love to bless our new people, amen? And so help them get their seed and a little less stress on your first day in a, in a bigger church than you might be used to. So, so God bless you. Look for the yellow people. They're amazing. So anyway, this week is week two of our Live Long and Prosper uh, sermon series. And this week will be my most, um, what would we call it? Prosperity gospel sermon that you will ever hear me preach. Um, and uh, it's not really, it's just uh, live God's way and life's better. 
including in your finances. Funny how some people are like, yeah, God's way is better. But then you start talking about how God's way is better in, in their finances. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. That sounds like health and wealth to me. You know, gospel, prosperity gospel. Listen, God does want to prosper you. I'm not saying he's going to make you rich or super rich. But I am saying that every area of your life that you line up more and more with God's word will be better than if you don't. Amen. And so today we're going to talk about that a little bit and what that means in your personal finances. And we're reading, um, we're starting at Proverbs chapter 3. I just want to give you a heads up. um, Every now and again I've got to stop and sort of clear my throat or whatever else. Um, I spent a couple of days sick and like anchored to my bedroom. And so I'm better now. The front row may go homesick, um, but everybody else should be just fine. I'm feeling much better. So thank you for um, taking a hit for the team, guys, you know, just, you know, making a sacrifice for the church, you know. So so the new people didn't have to sit there. So, <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> so, um, <coughs> excuse me. So anyway, uh, Proverbs, we read the whole uh, chapter last week. This week, I just want to read five verses to you from starting at verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Did you hear that? (laughs) Uh, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Repent. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. Do you hear that? Your barns will be filled and your vats will be bursting with wine. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are not a prosperity gospel church, but we are a church that preaches the whole gospel. And so I pray you help us to receive it. God, help us to boldly preach it when it's popular and when it's not, when it's celebrated by the world and when it's uh, uh, ridiculed by the world. But God, we want to preach the whole gospel, the whole word of God. And your word says a lot about how we should manage our finances. So today, God, we open up our hearts and our minds. We humble ourselves and ask to receive from you today so that this area also in our lives would be better. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. You may take your seat and, uh, and uh, I'm going to preach the word. Before I continue this sermon, though, I want to um, set up one, I want to just maybe start with one huge presupposition, okay? So uh, we've got a sermon for you. I'm going to preach it, but, but I've got a huge presupposition. That is a presumption. That is a, something that I have assumed about all of us before um, this sermon's actually going to be very useful in your lives. My presupposition is that we are all tithers, okay? Um, now, I'll do a two-week sermon about tithing in a few weeks. I do, I do a two-week sermon series on it every year. So we only really hit finances usually for two weeks out of, 50, uh, out of 52 weeks of a year, which is uh, less 
uh, a less, a lower percentage of time that the Word of God actually spends talking about finances. So, so uh, when we do talk about finances and it's your first week in church, you should be like, well, thank God I came that week, right? Um, because God cares about every area of your life. You don't, do you believe that? Yeah. Every area of your life, okay? So I'll do a sermon on uh, on tithing in a couple of, in a couple of months, maybe maybe um, in the middle or later of the year. I'm not exactly sure when. Um, uh, but for today, let me encourage you quickly that tithing is still required of the Lord. And we'll talk about in that sermon series that I do how tithing predates the law by about 400 years, continues past the law. It's both an Old Testament and a New Testament command. When Jesus was questioned about it two times, he encouraged the followers to tithe. And so it's still something that God does want from us. Uh, but today's message is not about tithing, all right? But to preach today's message, we need to assume that we tithe. Uh, for, for the, so for the sake of this sermon, we're all tithers, and next week we're the richest church in Iowa. And so, yeah, that, that would probably be true if everybody was a tither. We would, um, our vats would overflow. Uh, <clears throat> But, um, but it's just like when I preach a sermon on speaking in tongues or prophecy or operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I would first want to assume that you want to be filled with the Spirit. Makes sense? So like it would be bizarre to want the gifts of the Spirit but not want to be filled with the Spirit, yeah? And so when I talk about this message today and honoring the Lord with your wealth and what God will do in return. Uh, what I, what I want to start with is an assumption that we're tithers. And if you don't understand tithing, um, you can wait a couple of months and that's okay. Um, or you can go back and uh, look at my fruit and veg sermon that I preached. I think it was last July. Um, it might've been later than that. Um, but just go online, look at it there when we'll explain it uh, biblically and what it is and what it does in your life at that point. But back to the text, your barns will be filled and your vats will be bursting with wine. Who wants their barns to be filled? Give me a wave. Come on now. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can't put your hand up. You're like, I don't want anyone next to me to know that I do want a little bit more in my life. No, come on. Who wants their barns to be filled? Let's, let's, you know, you want, who wants their vats to be overflowing with new wine? Give me a wave. Come on. Bunch of alcoholics. All right. Now, come on, you, you, want, you, 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 want, you want full vats, you, you, you want them overflowing, you want your barns to be filled, amen? If you want your barns to be filled and your vats to overflow, I've got a really important question for you. Again, who wants full barns? Give me a wave, come on, get into it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants full vats? Give me a wave, right? Okay, do you have any barns? Do you have any vats? Yes, Lord, fill my barn. Where the barn at? You know, like, everybody's like, God, 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 I want you to fill my barns. God's like, listen here, bloke. I don't see any barns. So many people go through life expecting God to pour out his favor on nothing. I want to see God provide I want to live in God's favor, but I don't want to do anything for God to pour his favor out on. I want to live in God's favor, but I'm going to sit here and wait. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to pray for a wife, 
but I'm not going to take a shower. <laughs> God, would you send me? I want a girlfriend, but I'm a big gamer. And I'm in a basement, and I never leave the basement. I don't shower, but Lord, send me a wife. Lord, send me a wife. Come on now. You're like sitting, we're like, you've got to do something for God to pour out his favor on you. are like, I'm going to meet her online. Her name's Shlavenka. I'm like, no, that's a 50-year-old Russian fat bird pretending to be Shlavenka. All right? God, I want a wife. I want a wife. No, no, come on. You, you, she don't want to live in a basement. You're going to have to do something. Come on. Yes, God, provide, but I'm going to step out and do something. I, I want you to pour out your favor, but I'm going to do something. Amen. God, I'm praying for health, but I, I love a supersized Coke three times a day. God, I'm praying for freedom, but I, I, I live at the bar. I'm going to pray for a job, but I'm not going to apply for a job. Scripture says a good man provides for his family and that those who will not or are unwilling to work and won't provide are worse than unbelievers. That's what it says. So I'm just going to sit back here and wait. we got socialists around here. They're like, no, 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 no. Any government that doesn't provide for... I haven't read that. I just read that any dude that won't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Come on now. Nowhere does Scripture say, and good government will give people money. Nah, but it does say good men will work. That's what it says. Hello. Some socialist just walked into the wrong church. <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. By the way, it says unwilling to work, not those who can't find work. And not those who have broken legs, bones, backs, or different health issues that have stopped them from working. It says unwilling to work, okay? There's a big difference. I think good government, but even better, good churches should help take care of those who are unable to work, right? Can't find work. But we got people that are like, God's going to give me a job. God's going to give me a job. But, but I'm going to sit back here and pray, pray, pray. I've got so much faith. The Lord's going to provide. Give me a job, Lord. Give me a job, Lord. But they never apply for a job. I'm just going to trust God. But they never apply for a job. I knew a guy like that. His name was Simon. When I was a young guy, maybe 10 to 12, something like that, we had this guy, Simon, that God bless you. We had this guy, Simon, that came to church. And uh, he was there for a couple of years, but Simon said that if God wants him to have a job, God's going to give him a job. And he always told us that he had this word in his heart that God's going to give him a house, but Simon didn't have a job. Simon's just trusting God that God's going to give him money, right? And hey, cool, cool faith, bro, uh, cool story. And he was saying that one day God's going to give him a lot of money. He's just trusting in God. God's going to fill his barn, but Simon didn't have any barns. One day, Simon said, I don't need a job. <clears throat> After many years of that, he just gave up. He's like, I don't need a job. Jesus is going to return in the next couple of years anyway. Guess what? Jesus didn't come back. He didn't get a job. No one had a house and he was always broke. There was no barn. There was no barn to be filled. He didn't have a vat. He didn't have a barn. He spent all his time talking about full barns, but didn't spend any time actually building barns. And if you want full barns, you're going to have to spend some time and some effort actually building some barns in your life. 
Lord, can't you just build the barn for me? Can't you build the barn and fill the barn, Lord? Why can't you do it? Listen, that would be the epitome of name it and claim it gospel. I'm just going to name the barn, claim the barn, fill the barn. No, 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 no. We're not naming it and claiming it. We're partnering with God and we're willing to do the work too. Can I get an amen? Oh, that there, that's the Newman barn. Where? I don't see it. I'm naming it. I'm claiming it. Fill it, Lord. That's not how it works. God has given us the privilege of partnering with him, the creator, to do good work in us and through us and all around us. We have the privilege of partnering with God. So build that barn. Amen? If you read the word, you follow the Lord, he'll show you even how to build barns. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. I've got 25 scriptures on top of the scriptures I've got here. I've got another page in my iPad here with 25 more scriptures in case um, someone afterwards says, you didn't give enough scripture, even though I've got like 15 in my sermon. But I just wanted to have more. Like I've read a lot this week and always have understood this. God speaks a lot about money and how to build barns in your lives. We all can be so quick to jump on that filling, but a little less eager to jump on that building. Can you imagine Noah as like a name it and claim it Christian? God speaks to Noah. Noah, build a boat. Here's the plans. And when you're done, I'm going to float your boat. Noah turns around. He's like, cool, 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 cool. Goes to his family. He's like, God's going to float my boat. What's a boat? Let me show you. God gave me this schematic. I'm going to build this thing. What's it do? It floats on what? Water. Where's the water? It's coming. Where's the boat? God's going to give me one. No, God told him to build the boat. God told him to build the boat. Noah's got to build the boat. God's going to float the boat. You're going to build the barns, and God's going to fill the barns. Can I get an amen? And yes, I know that building barns is risky and sometimes you'll step out in faith and you'll build a barn and it's empty and you build a barn and it's empty and you build a barn and it's empty and build a barn and it's full all of a sudden. And that's what, you know, and sometimes we, you know, things don't work out and that's okay, but but we've got to be building barns and trusting God to fill them. Faith takes risks. Sometimes you get it wrong. Sometimes you got to take a few risks. Sometimes you got to build a few barns before the time comes that God fills them. I remember a few years ago in church, we gave everyone in the crowd an egg. It was a wooden egg, and it had the word risk written on it. Who was here for that? Give me a wave. Yeah, 12 people. Church is a lot bigger now. <laughs> so it was cost us about $14 to give all 12 people in our church an egg. <laughs> Who likes egg salad? Give me a wave, right? Yeah, I like egg salad. It's not salad, but I do like it. It's delicious, right? Who likes croissants? Anyone like croissants? 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 Our kids call them croissants. And so we have croissants probably fresh out of the oven, cooked fresh in the oven like at least once a week for breakfast in our house. They're delicious. I love croissants. I say it like that because I'm French. Ha, 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 you know? <clears throat> but who likes bacon and eggs? Give me a wave. You like bacon and eggs? Did you know that Iowa is the egg capital of the world? Did you know that? Like, this, like we, we got a lot of bacon, and we, we got a lot of eggs, right? I love Iowa. But have you ever thought about the first time that anybody on earth ever ate an egg? Like, I grew up on a farm, and I know what eggs look like when they're farm fresh. And it ain't the same as they look like at the supermarket. 
I know where they come from. Did you know they come from chickens? But the chickens, they don't have a pouch that goes, pop, there's an egg. No, it actually comes out the exact same hole as their poop. It, 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 I'm sorry, but it, it comes out a chicken's bum hole. And I, I'm sorry, but it might be the first time you've ever heard that word in church. <clears throat> but that's where your eggs came from. And they almost always come out just smeared in poop. Aren't you glad you brought your kids into church and didn't put them in kids' church today? <laughs> right? Anyway, one day, thousands of years ago, there was a dude. I think his name was George. And George was watching a chicken. And a chicken laid an egg. He was watching a chicken and just, whoop, a little egg popped out its bum. And George thought to himself, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. <laughs> you know George's wife was like, George, if you eat that, you, you're sleeping on the couch for a year. I ain't kissing you ever again. If you eat that thing that just came out of that chicken's hiney, we, we, ain't, gonna, we ain't kissing ever again, right? But George, George is like, no, I, I wonder what that tastes like. He just like, he's like, Hum. and George ate the egg. And because George took a risk that day, you now have the joy of bacon and eggs. Thank you, Curious George, for eating the egg. See, everybody wants the egg, but nobody wants to be the one that tasted it first. Everybody wants the blessing, but nobody's willing to take the risk. Well, not nobody, sorry. Not everybody's willing to take the risk. Everybody wants what everybody else has, but not everybody's willing to do what everyone else did. Everybody wants the full barn, but then not everybody's willing to actually build a barn. <clears throat> so I want to spend a few moments showing you how you can build some barns in your life. And this isn't all the ways to build barns in your life. Uh, and everything that I share is probably very applicable to other areas of your life as well, not just your finances. Um, build bonds in your relationship, build bonds in your family, build bonds in your um, health. You know, there's build bonds for God to fill. And, um, but, so this is not all the ways, just some of the ways. Um, a lot of this is also through mine and Lauren's personal experience, reading the word, growing up in church, listening to other people, humbling ourselves, learning, messed up, uh, humbling ourselves, getting wisdom from other people. And, and it's produced really good fruit in our lives. And we want to share that with you. So firstly, um, the first barn you need to build is a barn of wise uh, or good stewardship, okay? Be, be a good steward, okay? Proverbs 21, excuse me, Proverbs 21 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but the fool gulps it down. Um, other translations would say, the wise live in luxury, but fools spend everything they get. Proverbs 13 says, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't. And he even brags about it. That would be like Simon. Oh, God will take care of me. I'm not worried. I'm not thinking about it. It doesn't matter. Not planning anything. Nothing matters. Yada, yada, yada. And he's bragging about it as if it's some great big act of faith when real faith would be actually building the barns that God told you to build and trusting him to fill the barns. Amen. So the first thing I want to share with you for building a barn or wise stewardship is having a budget. Okay, now let me pause for a second. Many people in this room are like, I'm already doing all of these things. This is the weirdest sermon I've ever had. 
I didn't need to hear any of this. Could you at least amen it for the people who are hearing some of it for the first time? For some people who didn't even know that this is a godly way to manage their lives and their finances, can I get an amen? So maybe 75% of you are like, you know what, already doing that and praise God for that. But for those 25% that aren't, this is gonna change their lives, amen? So come on. So having a budget is the best way to plan ahead and also to see and analyze if you're actually stewarding what God has already given you. Because why would God give you more when you can't account for what he's already given you? God, I want more, God, I want more, God, I want more. What'd you do with that? I wouldn't have a clue. All I know is it came in and it went out and I don't know. It came in, went out, I got an overdraft fee, that's all I know, right? Imagine you give me and Amanda, $200 each. And you're like, Pastor Amanda, invest this. Pastor Jesse, invest this. And so we invest it for you. And when you come back, Amanda gives you $2,000 and I give you $25 and can't tell you what happened to the rest. Then at some point in the future, you come across an inheritance. You've just inherited $20,000. And um, which one of us are you then going to ask to invest that? Now, some of you are going to say, well, I just split it between you because I believe in second chances. And that sounds lovely when you don't have $20,000 to invest. But the moment you actually do, and it's your first $20,000, you ain't giving it to the dude who can't account for what they did last time and gave you back a di- a, a, an investment that was uh, well, uh, uh, yeah, $25 out of 200 You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't do it. You're not going to do it. And if that story sounds familiar, it's because you've been reading your Bibles. You'll find a similar story in the book of Luke and in the book of Matthew as well about the wise steward. You know what? Actually, Scripture says that the one who does nothing or doesn't steward wisely what God has given them, he's going to take that off them and give it to the one who is willing to do something with it. 2 Corinthians 9 speaks about giving what you had previously decided in your heart to give, implying that you've given thought to your finances. See, you cannot manage, you can't manage well your finances if you have no clue what you have, how much is coming in, and what your bills are. There's no good asking God to fill budgetless, sorry, barns that are run by budgetless managers because those barns have holes in them. Those barns never fill up. Those vats leak like a sieve. You say sieve here? Strainer. Leak like a strainer. Good stewards don't fill leaky barns. Amen. When I went to Bible college, I had a Toyota Corolla. I've talked to you about that. At one point, I either sold it or just left it somewhere. And because I don't remember selling it, but I know I don't have it anymore. So to be honest, I have no idea what I did with that car. But I bought a Ford Laser. I don't know if you have those. Basically, it was like a square box with a bonnet, or or a square box and a hood, right? And um, I think you might call it a Meteor or something like that. And uh, anyway, I had that thing. It leaked oil. Not at first, after a while, leaked oil. Um, Every few days, my oil light would come on, like, every few days. Like, it was going through a lot of oil. Uh, just kept running out, uh, running out. It got so bad that I'd fill it, and the next day, the light would be back on. 
right? Um, I got kicked out of everybody's houses. They're like, you can park on the street uh, and not in our driveways. Uh, it took so much oil in the end that I had to fill it like three or four times to drive 12 hours to get home from college one Christmas, right? And so it leaked a lot of oil. Um, I probably should have fixed it. Um, but people with leaky barns waste all the oil. So I, I took like four different fills of oil to get home. And when you keep leaking oil, one day you're gonna miss that light and the whole thing is gonna blow up. What I had to do was I had to stop, get it serviced. I had to fix the leak and then start getting it serviced regularly on repeat. <coughs> What's interesting is when they fixed it, it was either missing a whole gasket or I think it had the wrong bolt or something on the sump hole, something like that. Something stupid and easy to fix. I ended up spending significantly more on oil than on fixing it. Some of you know what that's like, right? You end up paying more on overdraft fees than you are on your debt. <clears throat> like, I've been there doing that, and it hurts, and it's brutal. And you just keep ignoring it and keep ignoring it, keep ignoring it. Or you can't figure out how to fix it because you, you just got to humble yourself and go talk to somebody else, right? See, your finances are like a car. You've got to service your finances every couple of weeks, at least, at least once every month. You know, like, I look over our budget every week. For Lauren and I, I look over our budget every week. I look at our bank account. Then I'll ask Lauren, hey, baby, what was this $450 charge? Not because I'm like, hey, baby, why did you spend money? But like, well, you know, like it wasn't at Hy-Vee or Trader Joe's or something like that. And so I know it wasn't groceries and, you know, so what, what's, it, what's this, you know, you know, uh, you know, like, and, and why are you spending money at Target anyway? You know, what are you woke now, girl? Like what, what is happening, right? You're going to have rainbow hair next week. What's happening, honey? You know, and so... <laughs> But if you, don't have a, sorry, if you don't have a budget, you are leaking oil for sure. For sure. No, if you don't, no, I'm fine, it's working. No, if you don't have a budget, you are leaking oil. It is leaking absolutely everywhere and probably causing a mess on everybody else's driveways as well. Come on now. Even if you get a miracle, like driving home, oh, I'm running out of oil. Lord, send me some oil. So some stranger steps out in faith and gives you some oil, and two hours later, you need more oil. Wouldn't it be nice to not need a miracle every six weeks? Like, I love miracles. Miracles are great. But you know what's better than getting a miracle every six weeks? Getting one miracle, learning, and being done with needing that miracle. That's better. That's God. God's plan for your life is not that you need a financial miracle every six weeks. You know, you're like, oh, look at this. The Lord provided here and the, the Lord provided there and the Lord provided there. And you're like, I'm so spiritual. And God's like, you know what would be better? The Lord provided, I learned, I changed, and then I was good. And I was able to be the miracle in someone else's life. Instead of always being the miracle receiver, I could start being the miracle giver because it's better to give than it is to receive. Can I get an amen, church? Come on. Right? So don't leak oil. Have a budget, have a budget, have a budget, have a budget. Every budget has tithes. Every budget has offerings. See, because Scripture talks about leaving enough around the edge of the field for those who are less fortunate than you. And you're like, well, I'm poor. Someone's poorer. I'm less fortunate. Someone's more less fortunate 
than you, right? And every budget, so it's talking about fields. When you're harvesting the field, leave a bit around the edge for the widows and the orphans. It actually doesn't just say for those. It's actually for women and children <laughs> and men who can't work. Just so you know. Just, I just, just to be clear, Scripture never ever singles out men to be provided for unless they cannot work, need a miracle, are broken, blind, crippled, something like that. Every other time it talks about providing for the widows and orphans. Anyway, but it talks about leaving some around the edge to provide for someone. Because if there is a family in our church and the husband just got fired or the wife got fired, they got fired, whatever happened there, we want to make sure that our budgets individually can handle occasionally taking care of somebody else as well. Someone less fortunate, right? So every budget has tithes and offerings and limits your spending. By the way, with tithes, if you're visiting from another church, tithe there, not here, okay? If you're watching online and you attend another church, tithe at your church, not here. Don't get me wrong, we need more people to give so we can do all the things. We're going to move into a new facility. We're going to do a lot of great things. We're hiring more staff. We're growing, growing, growing. It's expensive, inflation, all that. But I'd rather you tithe where you're supposed to tithe, at your church, okay? Last couple of things on budgets before I move on. These are just a couple more like Jesse's and Lauren's tips that we've learned over the years um, and that we read in Scripture, uh, things that, where Scripture has informed us how to have a better budget. So number one, uh, don't carry credit card debt over the month. Okay? Don't do it. It's a trap. Not, there's not one credit card company on earth that loves you. Not one. They love your money. And they have no problem destroying your life to get your money. No problem at all. Okay? So tip number one well, after that other stuff is don't carry credit card debt over the month. If you can't pay it off at the end of the month, get rid of it. Okay? Get rid of that thing. You're better off not having it. It's a trap. If you don't have the self-control, get rid of that thing. i tell you this. If you have any credit card debt at all, and by credit card debt, I mean that you can't pay off every month. Like, and not the minimum. I mean that you can't clear that credit card at the end of every month. That's credit card debt. If you have any credit card debt at all, you can't afford coffee. Okay? Sounds harsh. These are lessons I had to learn. Uh, you know, as I say this, I just thank God I didn't drink coffee when I was in debt. Because <laughs> right now, I'd, I'd, if I was me and you were if, if I were you and you were me, well, then I'd be you and you'd be me, so it wouldn't matter. But... If I was you and you were me, I'd be throwing things at the preacher for saying I can't afford coffee. I'd be like, can't afford coffee? Anyway, so I'm addicted to coffee. It's a whole thing. But, but if you have credit card debt, you can't afford coffee. If you have credit card debt, you can't afford vacations. No, we need a vacation. No, you need to pay off your credit card. So you can take a better vacation in three or four years. Amen. You need to pay off your credit card. It's destroying your life. It's hampering your ability to honor the Lord with your wealth by providing in your church and providing for the needy, okay? The two most important things you do with your wealth are give to your church and give to people. And if anything in your life is hampering that, it's getting in the way, amen? And it's hampering your future as well. See, um, the rich rules over the poor. The borrower is slave to the lender, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. Now, I'm not a full Dave Ramsey guy. Um, I do think if you are loaded with debt, you need to go full Dave Ramsey, just FYI. 
What's that? We do Financial Peace University. Talk to, the, talk to a yellow shirt person. They'll help you learn about that. It's a way more in-depth course about how to get out of trouble, okay, with your, with your uh, finances. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a full Dave Ramsey guy. Um, I have no problem with people getting a loan for a car, et cetera, et cetera. I do if you're in a mess, though. If you're in a mess, go full Dave Ramsey, okay, for a few years. But I got no problem with someone getting a loan for a car so long as your budget can easily handle it. The key word was easily handle it, right? Easily handle it. If that car stops you from tithing, it's wrong. If that car stops you from being generous to those less fortunate, it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with a new house. There's nothing wrong with a new car. There's nothing wrong with a 10,000 square foot house. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with driving a $300,000 car. But if that car or that mansion makes it so you can't tithe or you can't bless somebody who's in need, now that car or that mansion has become sin in your life. That's Bible. Because in your heart, you chose luxury over godliness. Nothing wrong with luxury, but when luxury is elevated above godliness, there's absolutely something wrong with it now. It's an idol in our lives. When you go and buy a brand new car, and that purchase makes it so you can't tithe, you've actually decided that you're going to live in your own favor instead of God's favor. You've actually decided at that moment that I'm going to step out of God's favor. I'm going to live in this, this favor, my own version of favor over here. And that version is going to lead to pain and suffering and destruction and hurt and overdraft fees and whatever else in his life. Because if you can't afford to tithe, my guess is you can't afford your bills at all. Boom. This is just some more advice on how you can live the life that God's always wanted for you. Someone once wrote a book, The Life You've Always Wanted, and I'm like, that life sucks. I want the life he's always wanted for me. Amen. And if that means driving a Chevy instead of an Audi, if that's the life he's called me to, then it's going to be a better life than the life in the Audi. Yeah. Hey, if my life was, I want the Chevy and the life God gave me, I'm in an Audi or something else, awesome, still going to be better. Not because it's an Audi, but because it's the life God wanted for me. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Right there is the first barn that you need to build, a barn of good stewardship. And involved in that is a budget, one of the most important things of stewardship that you can do. If you want help with that, come talk to somebody in the church, talk to a friend, someone who you know, they got their finances in order and do what I had to do, humble yourself and say, hey, my finances are a mess. I jacked it all up. It's embarrassing. Can you help me? And they will. And they won't shame you. Mercy for yesterday, truth today, grace to live in it tomorrow. Amen? Good. The next one, the next barn to build, some of you aren't going to like this, but this is scriptural. There's like hundreds of scripture speaking to these things, uh, but, um, but the next barn to build is a barn of investing, okay? Almost no one gets rich by earning a lot of money in their job. In fact, those people are always chasing money, always chasing money, love of money, right? And uh, they're always trying to earn more money somewhere to make up for the leaks in their vats, right? I'm chasing more. I need more oil, more oil, more oil, because my sump is leaking. Do you know that just one thing of oil would have been better for that car? And your life's the same. You don't need more income. Nothing wrong with it. Take a pay rise. 
But if some people, they're just always, you know, they never hold a job for very long. They're so desperate to get rich really quick that they jump ship every single time that there's more money being offered. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And so many people live like that. Next job, next job, next job, because four grand more per year. And then next job, next job, next job, next job. Proverbs 13 also says that wealth gained hastily will dwindle quickly. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. <clears throat> See, good stewardship, longevity, and investing for the future builds better barns day by day by day. Longevity, it's even true in the stock market, isn't it? Me, what I've always done, buy and hold or hodl. Buy and hodl. Buy and hold. Buy and hold. Hold. Hold, hold, hold. You got all these people telling me how they're great day traders with four bucks in the bank. <laughs> and I'm like, time in the market is better than time in the market. Longevity. It's the same in every area of your life. Some people are geniuses and go kaboom, boom, boom, and they just got a million dollars, whatever. But we're not all geniuses. And you probably aren't either. And neither am I. But what we can do is basic stewardship. Good stewardship, longevity, investing for the future, builds better barns, little by little, day by day. See, Lauren and I live a decently blessed life. We're not super rich. There's things in our lives, barns we've built, that are definitely gonna bless our future. But it's not because of wages. It's because of investing. We're doing well because of investing. And the funny thing is, then God seems to pour out more. So stay the course, remain faithful. You'll gradually be trusted with more. My Uncle Ben once said to me, Uncle Ben, if you know Paul Geeling or um, Michael Geeling, they've both preached here. Um, Uncle Ben said to me, Jesse, your income won't make you rich, your spending will. Your income won't make you rich, your spending will. Kind of like the fools that the... Ecclesiastes was talking about before. He went on to tell me about the importance of investing and, you know, like what I do with my money matters far more than how much money I get and how I should invest in property, stock market and other things in my life. And every time I saw Uncle Ben, the first question he'd ask, have you bought a house? I'd come home from college for Christmas in my leaky Ford Laser and he'd say, have you bought a house? I'm like, bro, I'm in college. You know, I don't have money for that. <clears throat> after getting married and after a season where we had to humble ourselves and fix our finances and ask other people for help, Uncle Ben explained to me, Jesse, you don't need a nice house. You don't need a fancy one. You know, everybody seems to want to start where their parents finished. So many people, I can't afford a house. You actually probably can. You just can't afford the one you think you deserve. What, you too good to live on the south side? No, really, right? Like, you, I'd rather live on the south side with a full barn than the west side bankrupt. Or the west side with overdraft fees. Can I get an amen? Right, like, like you, you can afford probably after, now some of you may have a mess, 
but your income probably, if you have a job, probably is good enough to buy something somewhere in this city somewhere. It may have to be on the west side, now I get on the south side. Now I know some of you aren't, but we, you know, there's enough people in the church that can help you and help you make a budget and help you understand and pray for you and believe with you um, for a job and other things. But, but maybe, maybe you can buy something. Maybe it's just got to be a $75,000 apartment instead of the $300,000 house that your parents retired in and you think you deserve. But I might get mugged on the south side. Well, have a gun in your house. This is America. All right? <clears throat> right? Come on now. Can, can, come on. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? Like so many people, they're just too good to start where their parents started. Well, look, remember the house that Scott Hagen put up on the screen? I'd rather live in that full than over here with something empty. Can I get an amen? Right? We just need to adjust our expectations a little bit and be willing to do the work for a while first. Amen. After Lauren and I bought a house, um, the very next time we saw Uncle Ben, you know what he asked me? You bought a rental property yet? I'm like, bro, it's been a month since I bought a house, all right? Chill out. But you know what? I am fortunate that through all my foolishness, I've always had people in my life willing to share their wisdom with me. Not everybody had that, and I get that. That's the biggest problem with the poverty cycle. People get stuck on welfare or whatever else, then their kids get stuck on it, and nobody's in there teaching anybody how to manage their finances, right? I've always been fortunate. But you know where most of it came from? Family and, in, uh, and the church. Family and the church. Not my intermediate family, not my imme intermediate. <laughs> I guess I had an intermediate family too. But, um, but it wasn't my immediate family, but my uncles and aunts that I sought for advice and... Um, there's a lot of rich people in this church. There's a lot of poor people in this church. There's a lot of blue-collar people in this church, and all of them are willing to share wisdom with anyone who would want to receive it. And you may want a handout, but handouts last a week, but wisdom lasts forever. Amen? So pray for the wisdom instead of the riches. Amen? Lauren and I are living a blessed life because we are willing, we've been willing particularly, to humble ourselves and listen when people told us how to build barns from a young age, we got to work building them. So I'm going to give you a little bit more advice now, uh, maybe just through mine and Lauren's life and experience, um, some more things that I think you can do, investing, getting things ready in your life for the future so that you can leave an inheritance for your kids and their kids, like Scripture says, that you should. And people go, well, that's just spiritual. Actually, that Scripture wasn't talking about that. It was talking about your finances. Um, but we also do need to leave a spiritual inheritance as well, yes. Okay, so you ready? Super practical sermon, I know, but it's going to bless somebody, all right? Uh, if nothing else, just going to get you thinking about the fact that even the things you spend on is how you honor the Lord as well, okay? So here's some quick advice for everyone who is tithing, who already has a budget, and has paid off their credit cards. And uh, by the way, can I say, I'm not saying don't pray for a miracle. Just make some change as well, so you don't have to keep needing the miracle, amen? Cool. So number one, buy a house as soon as you can. And pay it off as fast as you can. I do 15-year loans 
That's what I do, that's what we do. That's a massive part of why we've been able to live in a nice house is because the first few were like 15 year loans. Actually the first one I think was a 20 year loan. Uh, one of them was a 30, but we paid it off at the 15 year rate. Uh, some people will be like, nah, I'm just going to do a 30 year loan so that, there's, so that the bill's smaller and I can spend more on investing, but nobody really does, they just buy more coffee instead. It's true, isn't it, you know? And so what I'd rather do is lock myself in to getting this debt paid off as quick as I can because the, 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 uh, the lender enslaves the borrower. And I don't want to be a slave as long as I can, amen? And so, um, so do that. And when you buy a house, maybe you buy that $50,000 house. It's a piece of trash. But that barn is going to fill up slowly but surely. So, and maybe when you die, you got three kids and they inherit that house and they get to sell that house for $180,000. And those three kids all got $60,000 each because mom and dad built a barn. That's awesome, right? Mom and dad build a barn. Hands up right now, if you'd like it, if tomorrow someone gave you $60,000, give me a wave, right? See, you can do that for your kids by buying a crappy little house somewhere. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it, right? So buy a house. The next one is buy stock. Ecclesiastes actually says invest in seven or eight ventures because you don't know what will happen on earth, so don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so I want to tell you, if you've got a budget and you're tithing and you've bought a house, you paid off your credit cards, maybe buy some stock as well. How? Talk to your manager at work. Ask them if they do a 401k matching plan or something like that. That's where you put some money in and they'll match you and you get free money from Wells Fargo or whoever else. And that's kind of awesome. And it's tax-free later on in life. And it's pretty awesome. Uh, if your workplace doesn't do that or you're like, I work at McDonald's. Well, you might be surprised McDonald's might actually do it too, by the way. Actually, last time they, they did it in Australia. They had some sort of things like that, matching and superannuation. Don't know if they do here. Um, but if you don't talk to Brad Thomas, talk to someone else in the church who's good with finances, talk to someone who looks like they're doing all right, ask them a little bit of advice, you know, how can I do this, what am I doing? As you talk to people, don't give them any money, don't be writing checks to somebody in church to invest for you, that's a really bad idea, we're not going to have any Ponzi schemes in this church, thank you very much. If you came here wanting to do one, get out Satan and come back when you got a pure heart, all right? Come on. Um, go through a registered broker. I've used Vanguard, Chase, Charles Schwab, uh, not Klaus Schwab, all right? No WEF rubbish in here. Uh, I'm talking Charles Schwab, all right? It's not the same guy. They get confused, all right? But there's more Schwabs in the world, okay? There's nasal Schwabs, there's Charles Schwabs, and there's Klaus Schwabs. So anyway, <clears throat> running out of time. Um, but if, you're gonna, if you are going to invest with a company that attends the church, you know, get them to help with your finances, vet, 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 talk to multiple different options and then vet them with multiple different people and pray about it, okay? Uh, check who they work for, make sure it's legit, don't get caught up in, uh, in excitement or get rich quick schemes. Uh, I would say as well, if you're not doing well financially, steer clear of get rich quick investments. Don't do cryptocurrency unless you're already rich. Okay? How many rich people do you know trading crypto? I know two. That's it. Okay? I have a, I've met two that are actually well off. I have a rule. If someone's got Bitcoin in their bio, they're probably broke. 
Now, some people can do crypto and they're quite amazing. A friend of mine, a good friend here at this church is an absolute wizard with crypto, but he's one of the geniuses. Everybody else is gonna go broke and give their money to him accidentally through the market, okay? I've done it a tiny bit, to be honest, but it's, it, was only, it was never more than like maybe 0.25% of our investments. So what I'm saying is don't try to get rich quick. Little by little, gathering and gathering, all right? If you already have your life in order, you do you. And I know, again, there's some geniuses in here that can do something different, but I wanna preach a sermon to bless the whole crowd, not the one genius in the room. And you're not the one genius, probably. If you're not sure, ask your wife. She'll tell you, no, it's not you, honey. (laughs) She'll tell you honestly. So I wanna end with this. And with your permission, could I just go about four minutes over? Um, I'm gonna anyway, but I feel better when I ask. And so we should probably start advertising our sermons at 94 minutes, but then I'd go 100 minutes. So I know, I want to leave you with a story to give you a little bit of faith, okay? I know what some of you might be thinking. I'm too old, it's too late for me, okay? And sometimes that's where the miracles happen, yeah? Now, sure, if you're 86 and yesterday the doctor said you're going to die tomorrow, yeah, it's too late. But you can still be faithful today, and tomorrow you'll be richer than you could have ever imagined in heaven. Amen? But it's not just about timing as well. It's not just about did I do it at the right time, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's just about saying, yes, Lord. It's not about becoming rich. It's about saying, all right, God, I'm gonna honor you with what I've got right now and for the rest of my life. It's about today, tomorrow, and what's left of your life, honoring God. Well, one of my favorite stories in scripture though is for multiple reasons, but it's really relevant in this sermon, is when Jesus turned water into wine. See, what happened was Jesus was at a wedding. His mom, uh, they run out of wine. His mom comes up to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, they've run out of wine. He goes, woman, why do you involve me? Just give us, what he does is he gives the kids a great example of how to talk to their mothers. And um, don't, that's the one area. Don't be like Jesus, you know what I mean? He was God. <laughs> so, be like Jesus everywhere else, but um, don't talk to your mom like that because she's going to kill you. And um, she's going to hit you with a bottle of wine. But um, anyway, she goes, Jesus ain't got no wine. Jesus is like, why do you bother me? Then she just ignores what he said and says to the servants, get some, get, just do whatever he says. And Jesus goes, go get some jars of water. So they go get some jars of water and then they pull it out and it's wine. And the best wine that anyone there has ever tasted. Amazing story. Wine takes weeks, months or years to make though. And he made it like that like that and so I don't know how much time you've got left I don't know how much time you've wasted but honor God today do the right be obedient to God today and maybe what should take 20 years might happen in 10 maybe what should take 50 years of investing could happen in 20 maybe it can happen overnight Lauren and I had a story similar to that recently we bought a new rental property okay and so I'm being a bit more maybe open about our own finances today um, but just so you know it's not just some guy who's like um, bankrupt, you know what I mean? Trying to tell you, hey, here's how you should honor the Lord. But we bought a rental property recently and, um, and uh, two days later, well, not before we even owned it, two days after we signed the contract, the thing burned down. And the contract said that, um, that any insurance proceeds go to the buyer, that the, that the seller will forward the proceeds to the buyer. 
Now, I'd recently had a, um, a great windfall, so to speak, not really, just went into my house, but the um, big hailstorm did $150,000 damage to our house, right? And like just destroyed it. It was like balls this big, amazing. And just destroyed our house. Anyway, so I got a new roof, new windows, new doors, new everything on our house, new cars, everything on our house, right? Uh, at our house because of insurance. So then I saw that this contract, I was in charge with this other house. I was in charge. It all comes to me. But it was, my mom had died. It was an estate sale. Their, her four kids were selling the house. And I just really felt like, I don't want to be the wicked servant, the one who was really blessed, but then wouldn't be a blessing to somebody else. You know the story? So I didn't want to receive and not be willing to give. So I offered it back to them. I said, look, I know like this insurance thing, it's a great big windfall now. You know, it's probably increased the value of the place by a hundred and something grand, 200 grand. I don't know what. It's impressive. You know, I, you guys can have it. And three times we offered it back to them and three times they said, look, we'd, you know, there's four of us and it's complicated and it was hard watching it burn. We'd rather just move on. So we did the right thing. We offered it back to them. They said no and then it became ours. Now, there's a few times in the process where I was just like, oh, I'm sick of this. This is really complicated now. I just don't want to deal with it because it takes work to build barns. But Annie Mars is a friend of ours. She's a real estate agent. She convinced us and sort of was like, no, stay in it because you could get out and miss out or you could stay in and, well, if it doesn't work, too bad. You know, no, no harm done. But if it does work, you just had a great big windfall. So we stayed in and it all came together. The insurance check came. It's still a great house and me and my kids are fixing it up. And it, it, it's a debt-free house with probably a couple of hundred grand. And there's, um, you know, it's not cash in the bank. So if anybody's like, oh, he's got money, let's go get some. You know, can he lend it? No, I don't. It's actually, a, it's a house that needs work, but um, it's just an asset. And I share that with you to say, sometimes, sometimes God will turn water into wine. So don't worry about the timing. Now, everybody wants that story, but for some of us, it might be, you know what, I'm gonna build a barn. Right now, I'm 50, I'm gonna build a barn, and instead of it taking till I'm 90, it might be full at 70. God can do that. Sometimes He can do it overnight, like He did with that one. There's been a lot of other barns that we've had to work on first before that happened, though. But God's a good God. He's got mercy for yesterday, and He can fill a barn overnight if He needs to. I can tell you this, Everybody wants that story. Hands up if you'd like that story to happen to you, right? But it wouldn't have happened if I didn't build a barn. You hear what I'm saying? I had to build a barn before God could fill it. And I wanna encourage you, church, to build barns all over your life. Build barns in your relationships, build barns at work, and build barns in your finances. So no matter who you are, no matter where you are, who knows what God could do? Lauren and I, We've been double tithing. I've double tithed since we moved here. We give a lot away. We have a budget. We honor the Lord with our wealth. We trust and we pray and we trust Him. We live in obedience. We take some risk. We risked it moving here. We risked it starting the church. There was a few months in the church's early days where there was not enough money in the bank. So Lauren and I paid all the staff's wages. We took a lot of risks, but the biggest reason and the biggest reason we're building wealth is so we can give more and more and more and be a bigger blessing in our church and not just be a leech on our, not that, not that getting a wage at church is a leech, but we don't wanna just be taken, we wanna be givers. We wanna give to our community, we wanna give to our children and their children. And all of these faith steps, wisdom, 
Humility combines to make life better than I could have ever imagined. I grew up in a trailer park. I know what it's like to pull car seats out of cars hoping to find a couple of dollars underneath so you can eat that night. But by building barns, God has blessed our lives. And I don't know how old you are, but you don't have to be poor forever. I'm not saying you're gonna be rich, but I'm saying life can be better. Amen. As you honor the Lord with your wealth. Do you receive that, church? Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.